Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to, well, what would normally be Tech Stuff. And it's a Friday, and typically we would do a classic episode on a Friday, but we thought we would bring you something a little different. You may have heard that recently I launched a podcast with my friend Ariel Kasten, a show that she created actually several years ago, called The Large Nerdron Collider Podcast. I had Ariel on not too long ago to talk about science fiction and and fantasy gadgets and concepts and, and whether or not they were realistic in the tech world, but we thought we would bring you an episode of the Large Nardron Collider podcast so you could listen to it, find out whether or not it's your jam. And if it is, you should go and subscribe to it. This episode is called Home Hard. And for those who don't know, in the Large Nardron Collider podcast, we cover stuff like nerd news. We talk about, you know, deep dive geek topics and we mash up different properties to create something new. In this case, Die Hard and Home Alone. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, and I'll chat with you again after the episode plays. Sit back, relax, let's get nerdy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how excited we are about it. I am Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is my co-host, Holly Jolly Jonathan Strickland. Yep, I'm got a belly like a a bowl full of jelly. That's what that's what lockdown does to me. Hey, hey Ariel, I got a <laughs> yes. question for you. So here's your question to start off this episode. Let us say that for some cruel twist of fate, you are limited to only being able to watch one holiday special or film each year, what would you have picked for this year? Oh, golly. Oh, that's such a hard one, Jonathan. I know. Way to go. Um, Now, keep in mind, next year you would be able to choose a different one, but you can only have one this year. I'm going to say Scrooged. Scrooged, the Bill Murray classic. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a that's a decent answer. That's a decent answer. It's one that it's actually very divisive too. I know people who have very strong feelings about that one because it is they feel a bit too mean-spirited, but I think the anarchic nature of that plus the really weird meta fourth wall breaking ending (laughs) is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean just to keep it fresh like that's one that i haven't watched that much recently because like you said it's it's a little bit divisive so i've watched a lot more you know charlie brown christmas and things like that so just it's a, a clean change of pace for a year Got it. What holiday movie would you watch for this year as your only holiday movie? Ariel, I'm so glad you asked me that question. I really, I've been agonizing over this since I asked you about three minutes ago. I would pick Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, but it would absolutely have to be the version that originally aired on HBO back in the 80s that has all the stuff in it, including all the interstitial moments with Kermit the Frog. Because if you've only seen Emmett Otter post the HBO special, then you may not even know that Kermit was in it because uh, that part of the Henson company split off like the the Emmett Otter property split away from the Muppet part. And then you had this complicated rights issue. And um, unfortunately, it also meant that typically the version of Emmett Otter that you can find these days, whether it's on DVD or streaming or whatever, cuts out some of the jokes and I don't understand why like there's typically one song that gets cut at least and there's one there's one joke that literally without the joke the scene doesn't make sense no I I'm I'm aware of this I can't remember the joke but I remember 
thinking that was incongruous and then we've had this conversation before because I feel like you would pick Emmett Otter every year for your Soul Holiday movie and probably for your only movie for the entire year. I, I might, how much you love it. I might occasionally swap it out for the uh, Scrooge the Musical with the thank you very much. Thank you very much. That song. I love that song. And I love that version of Christmas Carol. There are lots of different like great version versions. Yes. Yeah, that musical yes. one is a lot of fun. I mean, uh, hot take and people who know me know that I have this opinion. Uh, I am not a fan of the Muppet Christmas Carol, even though I love the Muppets. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I'm more of a traditionalist. Um. I, I, and, well, and, and I mean, I, I don't. I don't even mind like the jokes and stuff, and I do appreciate the fact that they they incorporate Charles Dickens into that version of Christmas Carol, so you get to hear more lines that you normally wouldn't hear because no one would. It's, it's descriptions that no one would ever speak in dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. That is cool. However, I just feel like the Muppets aren't Muppety enough in that. Like, it, like they don't go far enough in the Muppets thing for it to feel like a real Muppet movie. Not like Muppet Treasure Island, I feel, is way more oh. more liberal with the Muppets. Uh, that but, might um, be my favorite Muppet movie is Muppet Treasure Island. And see, that's the thing. The same, same here. I really, I mean, it, my favorite is still the original Muppet movie, but... Muppet Treasure Island, I feel they they got it right, right? I feel yeah. like they didn't go hard enough with Christmas Carol. Also, I mean, I know people who absolutely love his performance, but Mike O'Kane was not my favorite Scrooge by a long shot. I I don't like picking favorite Scrooges. Um, it's like picking a favorite child. Uh, I think there are plenty of old men who are very curmudgeonly and play the role quite well. Yeah, um, and, and a few women, too. There have been a yes. few versions of Christmas Carol with a, a female Scrooge. And those are. That is very true. Yeah. And also there, um, there are plenty of curmudgeonly older people who play yes. Scrooge very well. And you've you've been in productions of Christmas Carol. So you also have yes. that that perspective. Yeah, I've, I've played. Uh, Mrs. Fezziwig, I've played Mrs. Cratchit, I've played the Ghost of Christmas Future, I've played the Charwoman. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've so played you, the, got the a... concertina street caroler. <laughs> so you've got you got you've got practice of, of ominously pointing in the distance. Yes. <laughs> you yes, got that, that down stilts. pat. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm a little well, they weren't real stilts. They were like plywood stilts that then got caught under the like the long black robe. Wow, uh, yeah, know, that sounds a, dangerous. It was a wonderful experience. I never fell over personally. Um, this is also crazy, guys, because m most of you probably don't know this, but Ariel is approximately seven feet tall already. So I'm only five, nine, ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm a little biased. But, you know, you ask what movie I'd watch every year. I feel like it's kind of an unfair question because we've gotten a whole lot of new holiday movies this year and not just the Hallmark Lifetime slew that we normally get. No, but the Hallmark Lifetime slew does account for about 78% of all holiday movies every year, but that's just by volume. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes if you want just something uplifting, mm -hmm. you just want some uplifting background, that's great because you're guaranteed to get that with a Hallmark or Lifetime movie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, there might not be a whole lot of, of meat on the bone there, but you can be pretty certain you know what the emotional beats of those films are going to be. They're kind of like the holiday equivalent to romance novels where mm -hmm. they all follow a, a pretty similar pattern and you know how they're going to turn out. Now, granted, some of the holiday movies that are also uh, popular on streaming this year, because that's that's how that's how we're all enjoying them yeah. these days. Um, some of them some of them go a little dark. Uh, there are a couple that are are either emotionally really going to to tear at you or in one case you got a Santa Claus who's 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 an action movie star kicking butt so which you know a lot of years I might go for this year I I, I know I said Scrooge I'm, I'm kind of feeling uplifting I'm willing to let one of these new movies kind of take Scrooge's place yeah to Scrooge, kind of kind of soothe things I think soothing is something that we could all use this yes, year it's yes. been a it's been a, I don't know if you guys out there have noticed, it's been a weird year, y'all. Mm -hmm. It really has. So uh, we are, we are recording this a little bit before it airs because we want to spend time with 
our families for Christmas as well, you know, in whatever form that takes <laughs> yeah. this year. But um, we we wanted to talk about some of the holiday movies coming out, um, one of which is actually a TV special event. It will have aired by the time that this episode airs, which is the Grinch musical event with Matthew Morrison as the Grinch. Yeah. Uh, they, they showed a commercial for it. If you watch the Macy's Day Parade this year on television, they showed a commercial for it. It got some mixed reviews. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little mixed on my opinion about it as well. I haven't seen it yet. I might might have by the time you listen to this. But um, I don't know. I love the Grinch. And I think that the actions and I think that the music translates very well to stage. But anytime I've seen a exception of one person who plays the Grinch amazingly, uh, which is uh, a mutual acquaintance of Jonathan and I, Judah, uh, he plays an amazing Grinch. But otherwise, anytime I see a live action version of the Grinch, it feels fake to me. Yeah. Well, because I, it's a person in a large green fuzzy Muppet suit. Yeah, I, I'm um, I, I don't have any desire to see live action versions of the Grinch. I'm I'm fine with the original cartoon. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a classic. I'm not saying that no one should ever adapt it for other forms. I, I I don't believe that. It's just I don't have any interest in it. It doesn't like when Jim Carrey's films came out, I didn't really have any interest in seeing that mm-hmm. when the musical first hit stage, even with people like Patrick Page, who is a phenomenal actor, um, he plays Hades in Hades Town. Uh, he was the Grinch. Like I, I, I watched. Yeah, I watched a clip from the Macy's parade from 2015 and they did the the who celebrates Christmas or who loves Christmas song. And it's the who's, by the way, in case you were wondering. <gasps> uh, and and at the end of it, they also did a little bit of you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And Patrick Page was playing the Grinch. Uh, that version of the makeup and costume, I thought, looked pretty terrible. Uh, I But then again, also, the, the video I was watching was really bad quality. It was on YouTube. It was some someone had just captured it off their TV or whatever. Um, it was not great. And uh, I was just blown away that Patrick Page had played that part because I that somehow escaped my attention when it was happening. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I have nothing against Matthew Morrison. I think he's a, a very good performer. And I don't have anything against um, the other folks who are in it. I mean, I don't know if you know this, Ariel. Uh, one of the other cast members of this production is uh, Dennis O'Hare, who is one of two actors playing the dog. <laughs> okay. And, and and Dennis O'Hare. Is the other actor a dog? No. The other actor is also a human being. Uh, Dennis O'Hare, for those who don't know, well, first of all, he was in American Horror Story the first season as a, a supporting character. But I think of him as uh, Charles J. Gateau from Assassins, the same production that Neil Patrick Harris was in. And I mean, uh, he he did a great job in that. I look at him and I go, he would play a good Grinch for as as much as I like a stage version of the Grinch. I will admit that I did not see the uh, Macy's Day Parade version of the Grinch musical. I've only seen the Grinch on stage in adaptations of Seussical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just some Uncanny Valley costumey stuff for me. Maybe maybe it's just never been the right costume design. I agree. I will probably watch it. I'm just going to say I will probably watch it because I like encouraging them to make musicals for television. Sometimes they nearly completely hit the mark and one day they will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea of more live theater having greater exposure, especially in a world where one, you can't really go see live theater right now. Not if you're being responsible. And two, even when you can, it's not the most accessible art form, especially if you're looking at stuff like Broadway. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. that's for profit theater and it is very exclusive and very expensive. So having that increased accessibility, I think, is great. And if it if it inspires more people to get into theater, that's great. If it inspires people to support theater, I love that as well. Uh, so I, I'm fully on board with supporting it. I just don't think I'll be watching it. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of a lot of Christmas movies that fall into the 
general Christmas story genre. But I think that we should focus on a couple of ones that are much more geeky because that's that's what we're about, right? Yeah. We didn't mean to go off on a whole diatribe about theater, although that's certainly geeky. So let's start with the one that you alluded to early on, the darkest one on our list, which is Fat Man. Yeah. So not Fat Man. No, not Batman. Uh, Fat Man starring Mel Gibson, which already, at least for some people, including me, starts to raise red flags. But um, Mm -hmm. Mel Gibson is playing the role of Santa, who is a kind of down on his luck Santa. This is set in a very cynical world. Um, And in fact, that's something that that really stood out to me is as I was reading the synopsis, it just screamed cynicism to me where Santa is disillusioned because more kids are appearing on the naughty list than the nice list. Meanwhile, Santa's income is dependent upon him delivering more presents to children. Like it's the number of presents he delivers relates back to how much money he gets out of a budget from the US government. And because there are fewer nice kids, he's supplementing his income by essentially renting out the North Pole and the elves to produce like military weapons and vehicles. Yeah. And there's like, you know, apparently some action hero type stuff that happens. And it's just one of those things where I I told Ariel before we started recording that you, you mentioned Scrooge at the beginning. It reminds me, if you if you watch Scrooge, there's that segment where there's this fake action movie that they have a commercial for called The Night the Reindeer Died, where Santa Claus and um, uh, the six million dollar man are are fighting off various ninja and terrorists at the North Pole. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it sounds to me like someone saw that and thought, let's make that for real, but do it with not without without humor. Yeah, seriously. Now, I, I do hear, you know, the the reviews on this are pretty mixed. Like you said, uh, not happy holiday movies tend to be a little bit more divisive. Uh, in the assassin that the child who receives coal, there's a rich child who receives coal in this movie and hires a hitman on Santa. And apparently there's some hijinks in there. Um, yeah, played, by, played by Walter Goggins. And I like Walter Goggins as an oh, actor. Yeah. But yeah, that's... He's playing a, a a hitman coming after Santa, and he apparently has his own his own axe to grind with the jolly man. Yeah. So so I guess if you don't, you know, I I wasn't. This one's kind of flown under the radar for me as a movie that's even happening. So if that's your kind of jam, and you just have watched so many Lifetime movies and Hallmark movies that you are too hyped up on the cotton candy substance of those movies, maybe this will bring you back down to earth. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and to be clear, like I like some dark holiday themed movies. There's some, some Christmas themed mm-hmm. uh, horror movies that I really like, uh, you know, including things like Krampus. We'll be talking later in this episode about movies that are not really Christmas movies, but they are set during the holiday season. But mm-hmm. Krampus is one that, really is dependent upon Christmas. It's just, it's a Christmas themed horror movie that I think of kind of similar in a way to another film we'll talk about later, Gremlins. So there's, you know, there are things out there that I gravitate toward that are not your traditional holiday feel good stuff. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. I, I like you, I don't really, I don't feel a strong pull to this particular one. Uh, Have you seen or did you have you have you watched yet the Lego Star Wars holiday special? I haven't. I have watched the original Star Wars holiday special with um it looks like the old Quizno mascots where the mouths <laughs> were transposed on some poorly written uh cartoon characters except for uh in this case it's actually just wookies. So I've seen the original Star Wars holiday special. I I first of all, I'm sorry. Uh so you got to see B Arthur and and Harvey Corman and all those people doing weird I mean, Star Wars sketches and things. I I like I like it for certain definitions of the word like, but I have to be prepared for it. And I just haven't been prepared for that for the Lego version. Well, the Lego version is not it's not a recreation of the Star Wars holiday special. It is a oh, new story. It's a new story and it, it focuses on Ray. Not so which which clearly it had to be a new story because Ray was not a character like, when the original holiday have- special came out. 
two sisters, Doe and me. She does not. And uh, also the holiday special, it does reference the original special a little bit because uh, Chewbacca does have a family. So you get to see, you know, Stinky and everybody show up. But uh, <laughs> but they they don't. Other than that, there's no real nod to the original holiday special. It's more of a goofy comedy time travel story uh, that has a lot of funny little moments in it. So I do recommend that one. I think that one, if you need your your holiday geek itch scratched, I think that one does a decent job. I will definitely check it out. Um, another movie I'm going to check out, and it's actually, I should have checked it out by now. It's already on Netflix, is Jingle Jangle. I am so looking forward to seeing this too. I, I haven't made the time yet, but it's on my must watch list. So I don't let myself watch Christmas movies before Thanksgiving. So that's why I haven't watched a lot of these Christmas movies at time at the time we're recording this. But yes, I want to. Jingle Jangle is a, a new Christmas musical set in the Victorian era with a... I'm not sure if it's all black or predominantly black cast. Predominantly black. It's about a young girl named Journey who is sent to spend time with her curmudgeonly grandfather um, and they create toys. And the thing I love about this movie is that the, the gentleman who wrote it, David Talbert, had been wanting to do it for a stage play and just couldn't quite make it work on stage and couldn't quite get the right tone. And it took him 20 years and he had a kid and then all of a sudden he was able to collaborate with his child on on this story and then he went to Netflix cuz he previously had done El Camino Christmas which is not a breaking bad movie but it is a dark a dark christmas comedy mm-hmm. um and uh Netflix said hey don't make this movie to budget make the movie you want and we'll fund it so to have and he wanted to make a movie that showed there're not a lot of christmas movies that uh feature black casts and he wanted to provide that representation and so on so many multiple levels from the the representation in the cast and in the costuming to the fact that Netflix who as we've talked about before they make stuff for a wide variety of people and a lot of that is not for me <laughs> yeah no they, um, they yeah they they fund a lot of different productions some of which seem incredible just on the face of it some of which you're like I did they just have a money left over in the budget that they absolutely had to spend and that's why they funded this mm-hmm. but but jingle jangle does look like like the the preview I saw was so captivating and the costumes mm-hmm. look so amazing the special effects like the whole plot behind it involves a a former apprentice of the grandfather who has stolen the grandfather's designs and become wealthy using those designs while the grandfather has kind of toiled in, 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 uh, in, in poverty really. And, um, uh, Keegan, Michael key plays the uh, former apprentice Gustafson and he has a costume that makes him look, I, I don't know if they were specifically going for this, but to me, he looks like, uh, like the wizard of Oz. Like he looks like he could have come out of the Emerald city. And I wonder if that was a, a, purposeful choice but um it was just the first thing i thought maybe it's just because his his jacket is like emerald green but uh yeah it's it's all the the classic setup of your your classic christmas tale of you know an old disillusioned person rediscovering joy through uh, the association with youth and overcoming great odds and it's a musical and the dancing looks amazing and yeah, just it's that kind of thing that is hitting all the right switches for me for a feel good mm-hmm. Christmas movie. Yeah. Another another one that I think flew under the radar for me, but is hitting all the right switches is Dear Santa. There was a 2011 movie. Is this about Santa uh, Claus who Santa? has is this about Santa Claus who has antlers? And it's not. It's not. So it's not D-E-E-R Santa. It's D-E-A-R Santa. I'm, I'm Although out. I would watch. I would watch D-E-E. There might be one too many E's and there are Santa as well. Dear Santa. Um, No, this one is about, uh, this is a 2020 documentary about the Operation Santa program the United States Postal Service does. Oh, nice. With all of the letters they get from children who who write to Santa Claus. And uh, it's, it's a little bit more real life uplifting. And I 
very much look forward to watching it. Yeah, it's good to remind ourselves occasionally about the capacity we have to do nice things because we often can forget about that with the the deluge of stressful negative news that surrounds us all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a full discussion to have coming up about movies that may or may not be Christmas movies, depending upon, as Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, a certain point of view. But we will get to that after we take this quick break. So we didn't even really get to talk about all the movies we wanted to, but that's okay, because we're going to go from the new to old, like Jonathan said. So, um... These movies are a few of my favorite things. Oh, uh, no. You went right for the reference of the one that drives me nuts the most. And it's not even a movie. Well, I guess the movie is also considered a Christmas movie. Yeah, some people do consider it. So we're talking about The Sound of Music, which... Yes. Uh, so, Ariel, when you think of that, do you think of just the musical or do you think of specifically the song, uh, My Favorite Things? So, uh... I think when I think of Sound of Music, I think of the musical and I specifically think of the movie musical. Mm -hmm. uh, and I go, well, maybe that's kind of Christmassy, but a few of these are a few of my favorite things. It does play at the holiday season all the time. And so it, to me, yeah, it's, it's about gifts. It's just a Christmas song, See, even th though it's not. That one, that one drives me nuts that it comes on. Like when I listen to a holiday music station and that song comes on, I get irrationally angry because I think that is not a Christmas song. It mentions Christmas in passing in the song. Uh, it mentions snow in passing in the song. But it is, they're, they're literally singing about a few of their favorite things. It could be in the middle of July. It's still still one of your favorite things. Don't play that on my holiday station. I, uh, I feel very strongly about this. But, well, I guess it's got snowflakes on nose and eyelashes, which you're not, normally going to get but the, any they're season. just they're just yeah they're just talking about a few of their favorite things which may only happen once in your lifetime <laughs> i mean kittens usually have what happen what in the spring and summer yeah you don't Actually, get a lot of kittens in the kittens winter happen yeah kitten <laughs> well it's not really up to us but <laughs> typically we see that more in the spring <laughs> okay so there are some other movies and there i know that you feel very passionate about them that mm -hmm. people think are christmas movies right um the I think the most divisive one that I have ever talked with you about, Jonathan, is Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's some people who are like, Die Hard, it's my favorite Christmas movie, and I will die on this hill hard. It is not a Christmas movie. It is a movie set during Christmas. It is not a Christmas movie. Is there a Christmas tree in it? Yes. There's a Christmas a party Christmas in it. No, it is not. <laughs> it is not a Christmas movie. It is not. Uh, Die Hard is an action. First of all, Die Hard is is the perfect action film. And that is both a positive and a negative. It's a negative because Die Hard created a new paradigm for action movies. Right. Die Hard started mm -hmm. a new trend that everyone was trying to copy, which is why for many years in the 90s and even into the early 2000s, People would describe action movies as it's Die Hard on a something something. So like Speed was Die Hard on a bus and then later Die Hard on a boat because they also had <laughs> Speed 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so uh, both good and bad. But Die Hard is a phenomenal film all on its own. It just isn't a Christmas movie. It does have some Christmas music in it, uh, but I, it's not a Christmas movie. See, I I might wager... Uh, a different opinion because if if everyone had not been at the at the at Nakatomi Plaza for the Christmas party, there would not have been nearly as many casualties. So Christmas, in a way, fuels everything that happens in that movie. But it so to me, even even though it doesn't focus on the Christmas spirit, it is a Christmas movie because without the Christmas party, nobody would have been there to. It would have just been a basic corporate robbery. It could have also been a New Year's Eve party. There was no reason it had to be a Christmas party. It could literally have been a party 
for any reason. It could have been, this is the anniversary of the founding of the company, and you would still have that same reason why people get together. Now, granted, but Christmas party is the kind of party where you typically have not just the employees, but often their families there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, I don't think we see any kids in Die Hard, which is a good thing considering, one, the people at the party are behaving in a way that is not appropriate for children, and two, mm-hmm. when 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 stuff goes down, you don't want kids there. <laughs> but but you see, you said it could be any time. It wasn't. The writers chose <laughs> to make it at Christmas. But but again, Therefore, like, but again, if you had said that, and there's it, Christmas music. If you had said it at any other time of the year, the rest of the story would still play out as it does. It is not dependent upon Christmas, so it is not a Christmas I, movie. It's not dependent on Christmas, but it does take place at Christmas. So I think it's a Christmas movie. I think we might disagree with this. Maybe I'll, I'll concede that it is a winter holiday movie. I, no, <laughs> it's an action film <laughs> and that's it. It's an action movie. It's a great okay. action movie. It's my favorite action movie to the point where it actually kind of ruined action movies for me for a really long time. But it's not. A, all right, let's move on to a different movie. Okay, sure. Okay, so what do you think about Gremlins? Is Gremlins not a, a Christmas, Christmas movie? movie? No, not a Christmas. It's set at Christmas, <laughs> and technically, Gizmo the Mogwai is, is a, a Christmas is present. a Christmas present. But it uh, again, the the story does not revolve. There's some cool Christmassy stuff in it, like there's some cool uses of Christmas in it. But unlike Krampus, for example, it is not. It's not <laughs> revolving around. Christmas. Uh, I also You're love really Gremlins. You're into your Krampus argument. <laughs> well, because because I think Gremlins and Krampus are like they're like they're like sister movies. They're they both have a similar tone. They both have a kind of mean spirited edge to the maliciousness in them. They both aren't so intense that you know, like a younger viewer, someone who's maybe ten to twelve years old could probably watch either of those and it would be, it would be a lot, but they could probably handle it. I mean, I, I saw gremlins when I was a kid and uh, I turned out mostly okay, I, but I think Krampus I is around the same way. I didn't watch it until I was a little bit older. I've never watched Krampus. I think it would be too scary for me. I think gremlins is much more a Christmas movie than Die Hard, And I love Die Hard, And I like saying Die Hard's a Christmas movie, not just to annoy you, Jonathan, um, but primarily <laughs> but to annoy he, me. Yeah, but I, I, I would say 100% Gremlins is a Christmas movie because it f- the entire story focuses around a Christmas present. I guess I guess I could be more convinced about Gremlins than Die Hard. Uh, and the one reason why I really could go with it is one of the worst parts of the Gremlins film, but one of the best parts of Gremlins 2, which is when Phoebe Cates tells the story about why she hates Christmas which is the most over-the-top awful story to ever have happened to anyone ever, really, in a, in a Christmas movie. And then in Christmas 2, they, they satirize that with her talking about uh, uh, President's Day, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her character, I have based RPG characters, uh, Monster of the Week characters off of her. Um, <laughs> okay, what about Shazam? Not a Last Christmas movie. Last year's Shazam movie. Not a Christmas movie. It is set at Christmas, though. I would agree that that one, I'd agree it's not a Christmas movie to me either. Winter movie, yes. Um, I know that the director really liked Christmas, but um, the holidays, which is why he said it at that time. But yeah, to me, it's not a, it's not a Christmas movie. Yeah, I saw that one pretty late. Like it had already left theaters and uh, I caught it on, I think I caught it on a plane actually. And um, Mm -hmm. I was... I had heard it was entertaining, but my expectations were fairly low simply because I had been let down so frequently by DC superhero movies. Uh, They Mm -hmm. they just weren't for me. I'm not saying that they were bad movies. I'm just saying they didn't appeal to me. I didn't like them uh, with the exception of Wonder Woman. And um, this one I really liked. It was I thought it was really entertaining. But even as I was watching it, like. When you said when you put it on this list, I didn't even remember that there was anything about Christmas in that film at all Mm -hmm. like that that doesn't even i don't associate the movie with christmas because that's not what i think of when i think now granted i've only seen the movie one time but it's not what i think Mm -hmm. of when i think of the film which again Uh, is entertaining I, i recommend it for people who haven't seen it i did watch it for the first time last christmas season um 
At my uh, family's now, Ariel, house. Ariel, you can't you can't count something a Christmas movie just because you happen to watch it around <laughs> Christmas. Well, if that were the only reason I was counting it as a Christmas movie, I wouldn't. Okay. Okay. Here's here's one that a lot of people disagree on. What do you think about Love Actually? You, Not as a movie about whether it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, I have never seen Love Actually. I have never <laughs> seen. I've seen. The clips, like, is that the one that has the 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 bit where the guy is at the door and he has the the poster board cards with the words written on it? And he's yeah. essentially saying, hey, you know, I totally dig you, but you're married, but I still dig you. So I'm going to totally uh, leverage yeah. this awkward moment and ignore the fact that you are actually in a committed relationship. So you need to, like, totally knack <laughs> on me because... I'm I'm really a cool, handsome dude. I hate that. Like, I don't have any context for that scene, <laughs> but it makes me so mad. <laughs> it's, um, that movie, I enjoyed the movie. It just, it, it's an anthology of relationships. So I like mm -hmm. certain bits of that movie better than others. Next. Batman Returns. Not a Christmas <laughs> movie set at Christmas. I love Batman Returns. I love it. It's It's got its faults. Uh, I don't think that the version of the Penguin is one that I particularly agree with, but I think Danny DeVito was great in the movie. So I think I think he did a great job. I just didn't like that version of the Penguin. Um, but penguins are all about Christmas. No, they're not. <laughs> they're, you know that you know that when Christmas is over, penguins still exist, right? They don't they don't just puff out of existence. What? Yes. What? No. Penguins oh exist year round. Yeah, I know it's. <laughs> it's a shock to the system. Uh, Batman Returns is not a Christmas movie. Uh, uh, it does, however, have an amazing performance by Christopher Walken in it. <laughs> I um, I will agree with you on that one. I I love Batman Returns. Um, I just I just wanted. I like my penguin argument. I know it, it doesn't hold water. <laughs> uh, much like a penguin swings don't fly. Um, <laughs> okay, Edward Scissorhands. Also, uh, so Edward Scissorhands I think of as more of a fairy tale that happens to be set at Christmas. But mm -hmm. it's, it, it's it's this one's borderline for me because it has some of the magic that you associate with Christmas stories, right? Like there is a magical element to Edward Scissorhands. And it really is got that fairy tale feel to it. It's one of the, you know, Tim Burton stuff in general tends toward the fantastical. Um, even his more realistic films still have elements of that in it. And Edward Scissorhands is pretty far into the fantastical. So I think of it more as a fairy tale that that is set in the winter, but I don't think of it as a Christmas movie. This one kind of ends at Christmas with the snow and it's snowing again. And to me, because it has that final note of, you know, now it snows on Christmas. To me, that makes that that one note makes the entire thing a Christmas movie. Well, I don't know why. On a related note, then, what do you think about The Nightmare Before Christmas? Is that a Christmas movie? I have never seen that. You've never seen The Nightmare Before Christmas? No. You, you no. Have, you've got to see that. I think you would really dig it. It's... It's a very sweet movie. I don't think of it as a Christmas movie. Um, I think of it as a, I honestly, I think of it as a Thanksgiving movie because it's, because <laughs> it's, it because the action takes place between Halloween and Christmas. Now, granted, it does end at, spoiler alert, it does end at Christmas, but I don't, I think of it as sort of that bridging season between Halloween and Christmas. That's where that movie really lives. So I think the thing is, is I don't like mixing my Halloween with Christmas they're two completely different, like, emotional genres for me in real life. And so it's just never appealed to me to watch it in movie form. That being said, plenty of people have told me I should watch it, including, like, you and my husband. Uh, just like plenty of people have told me I should watch Up. Um, I just haven't. I will probably watch Nightmare Before Christmas before I watch Up. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Up is great. The first 10 minutes will destroy you. Okay, Coming to America is Coming to America... <laughs> No, a Christmas story. It There's is a dude not. in a whole lot of Santa suit. It is. It is not. It is not. Listen, the the <laughs> the bath scene alone tells me it cannot be a Christmas movie. There is a line in that scene that will never belong to a Christmas movie. So, no, I, it is not. OK, I, I I don't really think that one's a Christmas movie either. I want to argue you for comedy's sake, but we're already running long. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I've got one more. OK. Annie. 
I don't think of Annie as a Christmas movie either. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause when I looked at this list, some of them, I do remember being set around Christmas and others I, I think, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any, I have no memory of that taking place around Christmas. Now it has been a very long time since I've seen Annie. Uh, and I don't associate with Christmas at all because Annie is really getting pretty much like all the, 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 the comforts that she could want because she's been adopted by a billionaire. Um, so, uh, so in that case, it's like Christmas almost seems like it's a overkill because she's already getting everything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But but I, I just don't remember it having anything to do with Christmas. In the stage musical, it's Christmas when uh, when Miss Hannigan and Rooster Lily are caught at the Warbucks mansion. So gotcha. I, I you know, I guess I can see what you're saying there. So really, really where it falls the line to me is if Christmas drives the plot, even if it's not focused on the ideals of Christmas, it can count as a Christmas movie. To Jonathan, it seems like if it doesn't uphold the ideals of Christmas as a part of the movie, then it's not a Christmas movie. Yeah, no, if it's, if it just happens to be set around Christmas time, that's not enough. You got to try harder. Uh, Like it could still be a great movie. It's just not a Christmas movie. Might be a movie that you watch around Christmas. Doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Well, what if we mashed up a Christmas movie with a not Christmas movie, would that make it three quarters Christmas and enough to count for you? I guess we will find out after this short break. All right, Ariel, tell everybody what two movies you decided to mash up together because you picked these. I picked these, uh, which I dug a real hole for myself, you guys. It was a, it was a challenge, but one I gladly accepted. Uh, originally, it was going to be Home Alone and Annie um, because I liked the dichotomy of uh, someone defending their house versus someone who was an orphan. Um, <laughs> but then Jonathan uh, aptly pointed out that we've had so many musical mashups recently, so I changed it. Yeah, so I, I uh, really doing... it was just begging you to spare our audience from me singing again. <laughs> Fair enough. So we're doing Home Alone, which I will fight tooth and nail is a Christmas movie. Mm. Um, And I don't think Jonathan would disagree on this one. I mean, um, no, I guess not. I don't. I mean, it takes it takes place at Christmas. He's left at home because his family leaves for Christmas. Uh, Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I know. I know. He talks to Santa. He asks Santa for his family. It is a Christmas movie. Okay, Um, Okay. And Die Hard. Which is not a Christmas movie, as we have already established. Christmas music? This is Christmas music. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Okay, go first. I, I, now, we have not shared these with each other. And no. we don't know how similar they're going to be. Probably fairly similar. But I want to hear your pitch. Okay, so uh, this is Home Hard Lost in Nakatomi Plaza. I love it already. Because, <laughs> because if you, if you, um, putting like die home. Die uh, alone is so oh, grim. <laughs> die alone. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was die home. Like it's just, there weren't any good combinations. So Home Hard Lost in Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> so it's Christmas Eve and Kevin McClanister's mom. <laughs> Because uh, Kevin McAllister is a character in Home Alone. We didn't really deep dive into it, but want to get right to the meat. So Kevin McClanister's mom, refusing to leave him at home alone, has stuck him in the worst imaginable place. The kids play area at Nakatomi Plaza while she and her uh, new husband, Kevin's stepdad, Argyle, attend her company Christmas party. Argyle is the driver in Die Hard. Okay, so just so people can realize my brilliance. Okay, staring wistfully out the window of the kids' play area, bemoaning the fact that he is a mature nine-year-old stuck in a room with a bunch of children, Kevin notices a suspicious yet all too too familiar van pull up to the office building. On the side of the van, it says Sticky Groovers. Uh... (laughs) Sticky Bandits were the second iteration of the Wet Bandits from Home Alone 1 and 2, so they must have upped their game after having been foiled by a latchkey kid twice already. Um, 
and move to corporate crime. Uh, Kevin also realizes that if these sticky groupers ruin his mother's Christmas party, he'll be blamed for it. Uh, You know, it's kid logic. Go with it. Uh, So he decides to stop them. He's done it twice before. It shouldn't be any different now. He scours the playroom looking for anything he can use to his advantage. But all he finds is a set of Legos, a tarantula in a terrarium, and an empty Nerf gun and a bag of marbles. I guess it's not only. That's That's a good arsenal for this kid. Uh, He just succeeds at gathering all these items up when the sticky groovers shoot the window and enter the building, causing enough of a distraction for Kevin to crawl into the duct system and out of the playroom. He exits the duct system at the top of the elevator. I don't know how duct systems work, but I'm assuming this is it. So he lands like on top of the elevator in the elevator shaft just as the sticky groovers enter. He drops the tarantula through the little latch door at the top, causing them to hit half the buttons on the elevator. But he realizes all too quickly that they're going to get really sick of stopping on every floor, so he also jams a bunch of Legos into the into the elevator works to stop it and get it stuck. Uh, this leaves him just enough time to lo- load the marbles into his Nerf gun, aim at the groupers through the window and take, or through the little door at the top of the... the elevator. Elevator, thank you, and take them out. Just then the Legos break, the elevator goes up to the next floor, the doors open, Kevin gets thrown on top of the sticky groupers who are now passed out from being shot in the head with marbles from a Nerf gun, and it opens on the Christmas party. When Kevin McClannister's mom sees him, McClannister's mom sees him, she blames him for escaping the play pay place, completely overlooking the fact that he foiled a dangerous corporate robbery. But because it's Christmas, she's so happy to see him that she doesn't ground him, and they go home and they live happily ever after. Okay, so I can tell you... I kind of lost the plot halfway through. I can tell you that we totally did not go the same way. <laughs> so you're, are you ready for my attempt? That was a masterpiece, Boy, Ariel. That was a masterpiece, so... Thank you. I am so ready. Yours are always fantastic. Here we go. Hit me. Kevin McAllister is returning home after being away all year. Having recently graduated the police academy, he gets to the family home and discovers, to his shock that his family isn't there. They've left on a Christmas trip, completely forgetting that Kevin was on his way back home to visit them. How can the same thing happen to the same guy? Like, eight times, Kevin (laughs) says. Kevin lets himself into the family home, having traveled all that way, and does his best to make merry. He watches old action movies, dances around, and generally tries to have a good time. We can see, though, that he is not having a good time. We see this with occasional glimpses of his face, which is sad, and the fact that he's making fists with his toes on the carpet, a sure sign that he's experiencing anxiety. Late in the night, a pair of apparent robbers, or bandits if you prefer, break into the house just as Kevin is in the kitchen making some snacks. Kevin hears them, so he's able to be quiet and evade notice but his service revolver is in his spare room where he had planned to sleep. He conceals himself and listens in, and soon it becomes apparent the bandits are more than just your average house thieves. For one thing, they are soon joined by another thief, and another, and another. Like, 20 guys show up. They're all vaguely European, except for one guy who is clearly American, and he's a hacker because he wears glasses. These bandits have heard that Kevin's dad has a huge number of bonds hidden in a safe, which is in itself in a hidden part of the house and will require an enormous amount of time to break into. And so they get to work. And before long, they're using various tools to try and break through the safe. Kevin, meanwhile, sneaks around the house, quietly setting up various booby traps. He's without his gun after one thief, while just doing a cursory search, happens across the revolver. Using tools like gardening implements, paint cans, ball bearings, crazy glue, a Hungry Hungry Hippos board game, and some (laughs) steak knives, Kevin McAllister takes out the bandits one by one, or sometimes one by two, because, you know, he's kind of a badass. At the end of the movie, it's down to Kevin and the last two bandits, which are revealed to be his old nemeses, the wet bandits themselves, who are just desperately clinging to the idea of one last big heist so they can retire. So Kevin totally shoots them a whole bunch with his revolver, which I forgot to mention he managed to retrieve, I don't know, like maybe three bandits ago. At the very (laughs) end of the film, the phone rings, and as Kevin stands in what is essentially a pile of corpses, he has a conversation on the phone that sounds like he's talking with his family. But then at the very end, he says, 
Merry Christmas, Mr. McLean. Boom! Kevin McAllister's teacher at the police academy was John McLean. Bet you didn't see that coming. The end. Oh, I love it. I love the twist. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I yeah, thought you were going to swear for a second. It was a real uh, roller coaster. Yeah, no, there was no yippee ki ying in that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, please be Mr. Falcon, not not the <laughs> other. But that was, yeah, a, no, I, I love, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was, I was trying to think of like, it's cool because you actually went to the diehard setting, whereas I went to the home alone setting. And as I said, like, we did not talk about this beforehand. So we had no idea what the other person was going to do before they did it. So that was kind of. That was a that was a fun experiment. <laughs> it was just it was. lucky that we both went the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are other ways to go with it, too. It's not one or the other. In fact, so. if uh, if our listeners come up with ways that they would like to combine these two classics, one a Christmas classic and one totally not a Christmas classic, then mm-hmm. they should do that and let us know about them. Yes, uh, you can reach out to us on social media on Twitter where at LNC underscore podcast. And we're also on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. You can post a message or you can send us a DM. If we like your ideas and your mashups, we'll read them on an episode. And you can also tell Jonathan that uh, Die Hard is totally a Christmas movie. Actually, I, I won't don't. listen. <laughs> he won't yeah. listen. Uh, yeah. Let him have this 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 holiday. Uh, but I'll listen so you can tell me. Um, <laughs> whatever you think, either way. Excellent. And well, that, I think that wraps this one up. I think it's time for us to, to uh, wrap this episode up and then maybe unwrap some presents. I agree. So until next time, I'm Ariel Kasten. And I'm Jinglin Strickland. <laughs> Happy holidays. That was the Large Nerdron Collider podcast. I hope you guys really liked it. If you did, go subscribe to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast. We're available pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. And listen to it. Let us know what you think. Get in touch with us. Help us grow the show. Help us evolve the show. We want to make a lot of different segments, for example. And if you guys have ideas for cool stuff that we should do, then we would love to hear it. And also, you know, make sure if you do like it, share it with people, leave a review, all that nice stuff, all the stuff that helps a brand new show kind of find its its audience. You know, we don't need to be the biggest show in the world, but we do want to make sure that the people who would really enjoy it get a chance to listen to it. And, uh, you know, Ariel has put in so much work on this show and I, I, I kind of am almost along for the ride. I know you wouldn't know that because of the way I talk, but it's true. Anyway, for tech stuff, if you guys have suggestions for topics that we should cover on tech stuff, make sure, as always, to reach out to me. The best way to do that is on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 